Hello, in a week that's seen UN Chief Antonio Guterres push for peace and justice in war-torn Ukraine with visits to Moscow and Kiev, the Security Council has also been hearing that fighting in Syria is still raging, and we mustn't forget it. We also keep up with the UN's work to help stop a new Ebola outbreak in DR Congo, while in Afghanistan it's never been more urgent to unblock billions of dollars of assets, top rights experts say too. We'll be hearing as well from Sri Lankan pop star and advocate for children's rights, Ridma Wirawadina, who's lent his talent to the UN to help end child labour. Summing everything up at the end of the show, we have regular guest Solange Behetege-Cortez. That's all coming up in this week's UN Catch-Up Dateline Geneva with me, Daniel Johnson. Thanks for listening. First, the news. UN Secretary-General Antonio Guterres visited sites of suspected war crimes in Ukraine on Thursday, where he condemned the evil violence committed against civilians and urged criminal accountability. The UN chief's visit to the Kiev suburbs of Borodyanka, Bucha and Irpin comes nine weeks since the invasion by Russia, which Mr Guterres urged to cooperate with the ongoing investigation launched by the International Criminal Court. When we see this horrendous sight, it uh, makes me feel how important it is, a thorough investigation and accountability. Earlier this month, UN Rights Chief Michelle Bachelet said she'd been horrified by images showing the bodies of dead civilians lying in the streets of Bucha and in improvised graves. ICC prosecutor Karim Khan echoed the Secretary-General's call for justice outside the Security Council earlier this week. This is not really a time for talking, it's a time for action. International law cannot be a passive spectator. It can't be sedentary. It needs to move with alacrity to protect and to insist on accountability. The law is above us, and if the law is not above us, there's nothing below us except the abyss. To Syria now, and although ongoing fighting there isn't making the headlines, UN negotiator Herr Pedersen has urged the international community to remain focused on helping the country chart a peaceful future for itself with a new constitution. The country is in a hot conflict, not a frozen one, Mr Pedersen told the UN Security Council in New York on Tuesday, adding that airstrikes in the northwest were picking up, along with intensifying clashes around Afrin and the northeast, and exchanges of rocket fire and shelling across all front lines. My message is simple. Focus on Syria, Mr Pedersen said. Since the war began 11 years ago, Syria has become the biggest displacement crisis in the world, with 6.8 million refugees and more than 6 million internally displaced persons. UN-led efforts to bring Syria's warring sides to discuss a new constitution will continue in Geneva next month. An Ebola vaccination campaign has begun in northwest Democratic Republic of the Congo to halt the spread of a deadly new outbreak in the country, where the disease is endemic. The World Health Organization said on Wednesday that people have now been inoculated in Mbandaka, the capital city of Equator province west. It follows the deaths of two people from Ebola during the past week. More than 230 contacts of the deceased have been identified and monitored, and three vaccine teams will work to reach those at highest risk. The country has seen 14 Ebola outbreaks since 1976 and six since 2018. Finally, UN-appointed independent rights experts have urged 
the United States to end its freeze on Afghanistan's foreign assets. The Da Afghanistan Bank has more than $7 billion in blocked reserves, and these could be used to provide desperately needed humanitarian relief to tens of millions in the country, said the experts. The rights experts explained that exemptions to sanctions in Afghanistan, agreed by the Security Council in December, had not helped Afghanistan, as many foreign banks were still too worried about being in breach of the restrictions. The headlines there, and now to a campaign to end the scourge of child labour. It's still so prevalent the world over. According to the international labour organisation ILO, it's holding back the development and dreams of 152 million kids globally. So as part of ILO's Global Music Against Child Labour initiative, the UN agency has signed up Ridma Wirawadina, who's a Sri Lankan pop star and musical advocate for children's rights. Ritma's latest song that we're hearing now, which is called Punchi Ath Thatu, translates in English as Let Them Fly. And to talk about it, I spoke to ILO's Simran Singh, and Ritma himself too. Here he is now telling us about his reasons for getting involved in the End Child Labour campaign. Well, I work with Children with Disability, Associated uh, Sunera Foundation and uh, several other organizations as well. And I've done drama, dance workshops with children with disability and also often children at orphanages. And yeah, in different capacity, I've been able to work with them. And when Simran approached me with this project, I thought it was an ideal opportunity to give back to society and contribute in my own way, in my musical capacity to talk about a cause that we all need to give some attention to which has probably not been addressed in a maybe in a broad way. So maybe I was a medium to talk about this issue, this issue to a mass audience. Fantastic. And you certainly reached them with your song, which is Let Them Fly in English. You mentioned Simran Singh there from the International Labour Organization. She's joining us too. Hi, Simran. You're responsible for getting Ridma involved in this. He's a very, very popular musician in Sri Lanka and abroad. What can he bring to your campaign against child labour? How big a problem is it? I mean, the problem is vast across the globe. Sri Lanka is a little bit better off in terms of numbers and volume, but it's still something that shouldn't be present. Child labor should simply not be present in in this day and age, in this century. And we need all forces to come together to raise awareness and to know that where the solutions lie, how they can be active agents. And I mean, what better way than music? We know how much music connects. And the song that I knew Ridma would very much be able to deliver in three languages Languages. Actually, it's done each verse is in a different language, including English. These are the national languages of a country like Sri Lanka. I felt that they would be able to connect with all demographics within the country that do need to come together to fight and bring Sri Lanka over the edge. Back in 2016, which is when we had the latest statistics, there were only 1% prevalence rate of child labor. And that's quite small in contrast to many neighboring countries where the prevalence is 10% of the child population. So how do you get that 1% to 0%? You can't always go traditional. And in this way, having a young musical talent like Ridma that could speak different languages, can sing in different languages, and who cares so deeply about the rights of children, the betterment of children and how that links to society. I just thought that was a perfect combination to really get Sri Lanka on track to really eliminating child labor once and for all. 
Back to you, Ridma Wirawadina. On the inspiration for the song, the video that I've seen shows children doing various uh, menial tasks, another one in hard labour, breaking rocks with a sledgehammer. Where did you get those uh, ideas from? What was your inspiration for the music video? Well, I have to mention the director's name. Uh, he's Bharathahetti Arachi. A big thank you to him because he has done an amazing job with the music video as well. Children are obliged to work and take care of their family or feed their siblings or, you know, they are, it, it's a desperate situation and, and they have been forced to do so also in most of the cases. And at the end, at the end of the music video, you can see that all these children have bigger dreams that they ultimately will achieve if they were set free or if their wings were not cut. At this day and age, it's very obvious that it should not be there. Child labor should not prevail. So in my own way, I hope I have been able to put across that awareness in some way to the audience. Yeah. Finally, to you, Sirwan, if you don't mind, from the International Labour Organization's point of view, what's your engagement with other governments? How do you go about mainstreaming uh, efforts to ban child labour? Well, I mean, we've made a, a lot of progress here in Sri Lanka. And let me just say that even if the prevalence rate is so small, that's the hardest to reach bunch. They're the hidden ones. They're the ones that Ridma just said that are in orphanages working. So in order to deal with this, and, and especially now, my concern and my concern as an ILO is very much the economic hardships many families have faced as a result of COVID-19. In countries uh, around the world where people don't have secure jobs, secure employment, I think while there has been progress and one of the great things in Sri Lanka is that they've raised the minimum age for employment to 16 years. It used to be 14 years before. Now it's 16. They've expanded the list of, of occupations that are considered no-goes for children, uh, hazardous, you know. So those are all good things. But at the same time, if you were to do a data checkpoint right now, you might actually find a lot more children in child labor already here in Sri Lanka, simply because they're dropping out of school at age 14 and now the minimum age is 16. So what are they doing? Look, it takes cooperation, Daniel. It takes a lot of cooperation. It takes beyond just the ministries. There's certainly the Ministry of Labor that plays a fundamental role in any country, but it also means the Ministry of Education to make sure children are in school. It means the Ministry usually of, of uh, Social Security so that there's adequate social protection for parents and families so that they don't fall off. And also it requires also the health authorities and teachers and community vigilance groups to be able to detect and prevent child labor from happening. And then, of course, services that need to be given for the children to avail of if they're found or parents. So it takes a lot of, of actors across the government, but also civil society. It takes employers, those that are hiring them if they are in the manufacturing sector, et cetera, as well as uh, fellow workers, adult workers, say, in an enterprise to say, this is a place for adults to be working, not for children, and let's find a solution for that child. I think together we can do it, and certainly the ambitions are high when it comes to um, the SDG target 8.7, and Sri Lanka has committed 2022, this year, all worst forms to be gone, and 2025, all forms of child labor. So I hope together with Ridma's energy and everything, uh, we can actually help achieve that. 
thanks so much to ILO's Simran Singh and pop star and activist Ridma Wirovadina. Now, with this week's closing comments on the issue of child labour, I'm joined by regular guest Solange Behatege Cortez. Hi, Sol. Hola, Daniel. I think we all agree that child labour needs to be eradicated, and music is a powerful tool to communicate the message. We learn from Simran Singh from the International Labour Organization, that Sri Lanka is doing well with relatively low numbers in comparison to its South Asian neighbors, but shadows are still there. Not a single child should be spending his or her childhood working. And play has lost forever the child who lived in him and who he will miss terribly. These are Pablo Neruda's words. He was one of the greatest Latin American poets of the 20th century. Neruda wrote his first poem, aged 10. He became a social and political voice of hope for Chileans and Latin Americans, inspiring new generations of writers. He was the author of 20 love poems and a song of despair, and was called the poet of the people, the oppressed and the forgotten. He occupied a diplomatic post in British-occupied Ceylon, now Sri Lanka, in 1929. Since yesterday, something has been bothering me. Reading Neruda's memoirs, named Confieso que he vivido, which means I confessed that I lived, I discovered that during his stay in Ceylon, he raped a Tamil woman. He describes the scene as follows. It was the coming together between a man and a statue. She kept her eyes wide open all the while, completely unresponsive. She was right to despise me. The experience was never repeated. I decided to mention it here because of the child this Tamil woman once was. There are several ways to clip a person's wings and the work isn't finished after eradicating child labor. We have to fight together for a dignified future with education and communities free of gender-based violence. The process of learning to fly never ends, Daniel. Let's learn together and fly together to avoid the shadows. Thank you, Sol. As ever, I'm struck by your heartfelt comments, but for once, I'm sorry to learn about your Neruda news. Thank you, though, for sharing it. As you say, it's not just forcing kids to work that holds them back. So too does discrimination and inequality, the lack of access to fundamental rights and resources like water, food, healthcare and more. All things that the UN and member states have agreed to provide for everyone on the planet by 2030 at the latest. I'm talking, of course, about the 17 Sustainable Development Goals. And for more info, do take a look at the UN's online resources on these SDGs. That's the acronym, as they're known for the Sustainable Development Goals. It's really a charter for the 21st century. That's all we have time for today. Thank you, listeners, for being with us again. We do appreciate you following and sharing the podcast and for taking an interest in the United Nations. We'll be back next week. Until then, bye-bye for now. Ciao, ciao, por ahora.